Is America Becoming Anti-Motherhood? Thank you for joining me on episode 75 of the Meek on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today, wife, mom, former TV reporter, Jenny Dean Schmidt weighs in on this conversation of culture becoming anti-mom. We discuss companies and churches that are trying to opt out of Mother's Day, why women see motherhood as a burden, and what women who are desiring to have children but can't can do in the meantime. Take a listen. Welcome back to the Unique on a Purpose podcast, and today we go all the way to Colorado to visit wife, mother, former TV reporter, broadcaster, podcaster of the show, Channel Mom, Jenny Dean Schmidt. Jenny Dean, are you from the South? Because normally, those from the South have the two names. Well, my grandma was. Okay. Um, Actually, no. My story is that once I grew close to God, I decided that I should make my maiden name my middle name and finally take my poor husband's my poor husband's last name. So I just, I did not, I did not have a middle name. My parents never gave me one. So Dean was my last name. Okay. Well, that's kind of a cool, that's kind of a cool first and middle name, Jenny Dean. So that's how it happened. No, I did not grow up in the South. So that was not. Okay. Okay. I just had, I just had to clarify, but uh, I'm so grateful that you're here. And I know that you're really busy. You're actually on the road right now. You're headed uh, to a luncheon, but I thank you so much that you would take the time to come because we're going to talk about how our culture is kind of becoming anti-mom a little bit. And I know that you're very passionate about motherhood. And sometimes it depends on really what culture you're in or the location of the United States. But I think we can both agree when it comes to Hollywood, when it comes to social media and the big time media It seems that we're trying to erase gender. We're trying to erase motherhood. So I really want to talk about your passion. But before we begin, I just want to know a little bit more about Jenny Dean and her Jesus story. Well, thank you for asking. Not everybody wants to know that story. (laughs) I will tell it as briefly as I can. I grew up in a family of mostly non-believers. Actually, my daddy's a theologian, but, you know, grew up in kind of an intellectual liberal tradition Hmm. uh, and studied, you know, all faiths and and took more of a metaphorical, symbolic approach to the message of the Bible. He actually calls himself a Christian, but doesn't believe that Jesus died and literally rose again, doesn't believe there's a heaven, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, and I love my parents so, so much, love my whole family, but most of them do not follow Jesus. So I grew up that way. Uh, and and I had a couple of things that I wanted to do with my later life and or my you know adult life and I had the two goals went like this and I promise this is getting to Jesus the two <laughs> goals were essentially that I wanted to marry my nursery school sweetheart Aww. and I did oh that's I've awesome since I was four and then secondly I wanted to be a television reporter and I did become a TV reporter and that was back in the day when there was no screen in your hand yeah so if you were on TV you could at least think that you were kind of a big deal yeah so I got on TV news, and I was in major markets, the news, the one closest to you all uh, in Michigan was Cleveland. I was on air in Cleveland, and TV became my religion. I, I quickly began to look to television for my significance, my meaning, my purpose, and my legacy, and when I was in television in Cleveland, I suddenly got the urge to have a baby, which is not something I ever thought that I would want, necessarily, yeah. 
I suddenly got the years to have a baby, had our first child, which is our son, Otis. And after I gave birth to Otis, I lost my TV job. My contract came up for renewal and the new news director that came on board did not want to renew me I, for a variety of reasons. I don't think it was my error necessarily. And uh, then I lost my religion. And I quickly sunk into a postpartum depression and thought, you know, I have no significance anymore. I have no purpose. Nobody thinks I'm important anymore. And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I was looking at this baby thinking, I, <laughs> I, I'm nobody now. Mm. And, and, and in the midst of that, I want you to know that I was feeling very, very dark and, and very, very hopeless and purposeless. But I went on a search for God to find new meaning and walk away from the religion of television. And a very significant day in my life. I had been in the postpartum depression for about a year and a half. I had reached the point where I just did not want to live. I was feeling so bad. But I felt very, very guilty because I had this precious little healthy baby. And I thought, why, why wouldn't I want to live for him? But I was deeply depressed. And, and so I remember crying out to a God, just saying, God, if you're there, you know, I need your help. And I, I, I felt prompted to go to a Special Olympics event went to that Special Olympics event with my baby, either in a stroller or in a backpack. I can't remember where I had him. Walked around that event. It wasn't helping. I remember going to a garden and saying, you have to help me, God. I, I don't feel like living any longer. <laughs> then I went to my parents' home, which was down the road. They were not there. Put my baby down. I think he was in a car seat, maybe sleeping. I went to my parents' master bathroom, threw myself on the floor and said, I don't care if my family thinks this is stupid. Jesus, will you please save me? Mm. And because Jesus was not somebody that we talked about in my family. Mm -hmm. Got up off that bathroom floor, went back to our little house in the mountains, walked in the house. Nobody was there. It was dark. I flicked on the lights, flicked on a, a radio back in the day. And I did not listen to Christian music because I wasn't a Christian, but I flicked on the radio, put my baby on the changing table. And as I lay him down the changing table and began to change him, he reached up to hug me. And I thought, this is really weird. He's never done this before. So he reached up, put his arms out to hug me, and I leaned down and let him hug me quickly because he was a boy and his diaper was off. So then we pulled back up and continued to change him. He continued to reach up to hug me four or five times. <laughs> and I remember the very last time he did it, and I promise this, I'm getting to the end, the last time my little boy, you know, he's about one and a half years old at this point, so he didn't talk much. He reached up to hold me in his arms and was insistent. And I remember thinking to myself, it's like he's an adult. He doesn't even look like a baby right now. He has wisdom in his eyes. He wants to hold his mommy in his baby arms. So I thought, all right, I'm just going to let him. So I lay down on my baby's warm little chest, put my you know, head on his chest, and let, me, let him hold me in his arms. And as he was holding me in his arms, I began to listen to the song that was on the radio. And I didn't know why the song was on, but the song that was on was, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the song says, in his arms, mm. he will take and hold. You will find your solace there. Mm. And I remember standing up after I realized that that was the message of that song and thinking, if I don't believe it tomorrow, I believe it today. Mm. Jesus reached out to save me. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful moment. And I knew God was in it. And I knew he was saying, I've saved you. You asked me to, and I've saved you. Mm -hmm. And I stood up. And in that moment, the God of the universe had reached out to save me in my little baby's arms. What he quickly showed me was, I used to take my value from the spotlight. Yeah. And the spotlight was a false light. And when I was on TV, people honored me and wanted to autographs for telling them about car wrecks and murders and fires. Mm -hmm. And when I became, quote unquote, 
just the mom. Nobody wanted my autograph anymore. And yet I was raising the next generation. Yeah. And, and I thought, we should be raising the women who are raising my children. Mm. I'm sorry, we should be honoring the women that are raising my children. Mm-hmm. And is that... So that is the end of my, my Jesus story. But, <laughs> is, but really, is that the moment that kind of led you to be passionate about motherhood? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because he showed me that, that false religion that I was still holding up. I mean, I would, I would go into stores and, and I would make sure people would know. I'd say, well, did you know I used to have a TV job? You know, like mm. Google or they grew over my child, and I'd be like, well, I used to be on TV. Oh. <laughs> so pathetic. I want to develop light in your life as a mother for you to pass on to your children and for you to pass on to other mothers and to tell other mothers that I, that is a role I've created mm-hmm. to raise my children, to, to teach them the most important lessons on the planet. Moms are the ones charged with teaching little people about love mm-hmm. and about kindness and forgiveness, and, and yet they're the ones giving our children the value system that will change the world and, and contribute to the world, and we don't honor the world. Yeah. Now, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you had your, your firstborn? 34. I was late. Mm-hmm. Um, I put it off because I put my career first, and I'm not putting down career women. I'm not saying moms can't have a career, mm-hmm. but, but I had put my career before any thought of having children. And so I had our first child, Otis, when I was 34, and then I had Georgia Grace, when and I gave her two names, like I got. I was about to say, you got the the southern thing going. (laughs) (laughs) Her her name is Georgia, and often Georgia Grace. And I had her when I was almost thirty-nine. I was thirty-eight, almost thirty-nine. Okay. All right. So now we're going to fast forward a little bit. You you give your heart to Jesus. You're 34 years old. You have this little bean in your hand, and you start to develop this passion for motherhood you have a podcast now channel mom and it's just very evident anybody that follows you you definitely are an influencer to help other mothers but there is a trend not just in companies around the united states but a trend that i'm also seeing in the church and that is those that want to opt out of mother's day we have mother's day it's coming up and I know for the church, I don't know necessarily maybe for the companies, and you can speak to this, but oftentimes for the church, it's, well, we have so many women that are struggling with infertility. We have so many that are putting careers first versus moms, so then they feel, in a sense, isolated on Mother's Day because they're making different choices. What is the trend that you are seeing? Thank you for asking. That's a good question. Um, Here's what I want to say first. God has called me to love and and lead and cheer on mothers mm-hmm. he's also called me to love women and so i don't want any woman to think that my answer to this is insensitive and that i don't have a heart for her hurt right and, and let me tell you i've been there mm-hmm. so when we see companies like doordash like pandora max cosmetics k jewelers and then you've schooled me that churches are doing the same thing saying you can opt out of motherhood they're actually sending emails to say, you can opt out of motherhood this year if you'd like, if it's too hurtful to you. Ironically, they're sending them an email about Mother's Day, which you could argue is also hurtful. But, right, yeah. Um, as I look at that messaging and saying, we're giving you the right to opt out of Mother's Day, I have great sympathy for the women who hurt on Mother's Day. First of all, I went through infertility. It took us several years to have a baby. Mm-hmm. I lost the baby in miscarriage. So I get that hurt, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, I have friends who have lost moms and have had bad relationships with their moms. So I get that hurt. 
my concern is that I feel like our popular culture is doing whatever it can to diminish motherhood, to disparage motherhood, to, to dishonor motherhood, to say that motherhood is not important. I mean, the one day a year that we set aside, and honestly, I think we should be honoring mothers many more days of the year. Right. The one day a year that we set aside to honor mothers, they're trying to take that away now as well. Mm-hmm. I have great sensitivity for those precious women who hurt on that day. And, and I would invite them to say, cry out to God and, and be helped and comforted by Him. But my concern is that our culture kind of wants to sweep Mother's and Mother's Day under the rug. Mm-hmm. And I've written a blog called Is America Becoming Anti-Motherhood because of my concern over this. But again, I, I love women. I love mothers. I don't want to hurt one mother out there when I'm saying this, or one non-mother. But, but I do think that our culture has something more nefarious going on when they say, let's opt out of Mother's Day. No, I get that. No, and, and I, I 100% agree. But I do want to go to that blog because I did read that blog post. Uh, is America Becoming Anti-Mom? And you wrote it shortly after, and I'm sure anybody who's listening has seen the video. It went viral of actress Chelsea Handler, which I'm like, I don't even know who she is. Like, I'd heard the name, but I don't know who she is. I don't know what she's been in, but I guess she's some sort of actress. And she goes through her day of just this joy of not being a mother because she gets to do whatever you, her, she wants. But of course, even if you're not a mom, you're looking at that video going, well, I'm not rich like you, so I still can't go do whatever I want. Like, yeah. I've got to yeah. get up and go to work. But tell me more about that video and your thoughts. I, I, I don't want to contribute to the divisiveness and the hate in our culture from, mm-hmm. from two sides and two sides of the aisle. So I want to be careful. But I was, appalled at the Chelsea Handler video. And she considers herself a comedian. Um, I didn't think it was funny, but she considers <laughs> herself a comedian. Yeah. Um, and is very crass and, and gross and, and things like that. And just a lot for that um, approach to, to comedy. But but her point was, hey, I'm probably not a mom. And stop shaming me for choosing not to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And, and number one, I have a question. Do we really shame women that don't become moms? And, and maybe we do, but, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. But she was angry and saying, you know, stop shaming me for not being a mom. And and number two, I'm going to tell you how fabulous it is not to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And and she had a number of quotes, you know, that, that she said that basically like, my carbon footprint is smaller. I'm not contributing to all the crying children on, children on planes and in restaurants, so you're welcome. Um, I'm not contributing to, to the pain in the butt that children are on our culture, essentially, is what she was so it sounds like she's saying, I am not making your life more inconvenient. Correct. And, and, and by the way, my life is, is, is less inconvenient because I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's a subtle thing going on in our culture that says motherhood is a big, fat burden. And we shouldn't have to expect to sacrifice for the love of a child. Mm-hmm. And I even go to, and I'm not going to name the groups, but some of them are pretty well known. I even go to meetings because I give a lot of speeches to, to mothering groups. I have a lot of meetings, and they and, and and I find that it's popular to talk about the, the difficulties of being a mother. That, that you can't go to Starbucks by yourself. That you can't have a glass of wine by yourself. That you can't go to the bathroom by yourself. There are difficulties. I am not one that's going to say I didn't have days of feeling burdened as a mama. That there were there, there are hard days as a mother, but I never felt like my children were a burden. Mm-hmm. And I think our, our culture has begun to make it popular to say, what a pain in the butt are these little people? Mm-hmm. And, and, and Chelsea Handler was tapping into that. And, and, and let, me, let me give you some of the things I was talking about in, in my blog when I said, is, is America becoming anti-motherhood? 
first of all, whatever your position on the abortion rights issue, we don't march in the streets with glee and in large numbers to fight for our rights not to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people holding signs that say things like, you can't make me have this kid. Mm -hmm. I've seen an actress holding a sign pointing to her pregnant belly and saying, I chose to have this kid, but you, you can't force other people to have their kids. Whatever your position on abortion is, I think that language is deeply dangerous to our future generations and to the role of motherhood. Mm -hmm. We're saying this is super undesirable. It's going to put your life in jeopardy. It's going to put um, our world in jeopardy to have more children. We, we've got a, a philosophy out there now, a paradigm now that says having children is bad for our world. Mm -hmm. and, and I have actually seen headlines to that effect. Right. It's really bad for our planet to have more kids because it creates gar greater carbon footprints. It creates more pollution, blah, 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 blah. And so then I went and I looked at a couple of interviews with people. One of our secretaries, Janet Yellen, I don't remember what she's secretary over, was talking about how taking away the right to abortion is bad for us economically. A, a woman who was a gubernatorial candidate blamed having children on inflation and saying inflation is more difficult for you because you have children. The woman who heads up the Ms. Foundation was talking about all the disadvantages of having babies, and this is why we need to have abortion in place. And again, this is not me fighting for abortion. I'm fighting against messaging, which says children are a burden, mm -hmm. and being a motherhood is burdensome. Because, because we allow this language in our popular culture, we're, we're pointing out the negatives only of children and of motherhood. And, and the, the head of the Ms. Foundation gave a list, a litany of things that, that make becoming a mom less desirable that your earning potential goes down, that your future retirement potential goes down, that your educational longevity goes down, that you, that you stop your education early if you have a child. But she listed seven different things that she said made it problematic to have children. And again, I, I am not going to go to the abortion debate, but I am going to say the messaging that goes alongside that, that the messaging that goes along um, saying that we should now call mothers birthing people, the messaging that says we should opt out of Mother's Day is diminishing and disparaging the role of mother it's mm -hmm. saying it's truly undesirable and it's saying that that little people on our planet are burdens not blessings that leaves my heart and i've got to believe it grieves god's heart mm -hmm. that, that life is itself is, is now seen as a burden and a negative now you said something earlier when you first had your son you looked at him and you said i feel as if now i'm a nobody because you were a quote-unquote somebody, and now you're a nobody, do you think, because I, honestly, I think the, and I'm not trying to be political, but I think the whole carbon footprint and environment, all of that stuff, I think it's more of a talking point for politicians and for people that are influencers just to try and convince others. But I think that's really the root of it, in my opinion. When we have a child, then we, in a sense, we think, anyway, lose this idea of we're going to be somebody now i'm a nobody do you think that's more of the root issue absolutely it's what happened to me um, i'm going to give you a, an illustration that i give in a lot of speeches to, to, to drive home my point and then i and then i want to give a shout out to all the moms that that do feel like nobodies and again i would blame the culture that mm -hmm. is suggesting to us that it, that it is a that it is a negative job that it is a burdensome job that you don't get to go be sexy anymore you don't get to go make a six figure salary anymore you don't get to drive a nice car anymore you got to drive a van you don't get to live in a beautiful home anymore because children are going to wreck your house 
that, that we have told women, this is a nobody job. You, you can no longer be somebody. And, and I bought into that initially. And, and God had to change my perspective. But this is an illustration that I give in speeches that, that I love to share. And I, and I hope it has an impact for you, Rachel, and for your audience. I, I stand up in front of the audience. And I take out a red towel and my one Emmy Award. I have friends that have won many, many Emmy Awards. I only won one Emmy Award. Mm -hmm. And it's got a broken wing. It's got a broken wing on the Emmy. And I think that's God's reminder that it's really not to be my idol. Yeah. With my, my red towel, and I call it a red carpet. So uh, I, I have a red carpet and I have an Emmy Award and I whip on my Ray-Bans and I say to the women in the audience, I'm about to give you two illustrations. The first one is me walking down the red carpet with my Emmy Award. Mm -hmm. Will you please applaud for me? So I walk down this red towel with my sunglasses on and my Emmy held high, and I ask the women to applaud me. So they all dutifully applaud as I'm walking down the red carpet with my Emmy. Then I change the red carpet into a red towel. I get down on my hands and knees. I get a woman who's a mother from the audience and ask her to sit down on a chair and put her feet in a soaking tub. And I take my shoes off, my high heels usually, get down on my hands and knees and wash her feet quietly. And I hope with humility because I believe she deserves and needs to have her feet washed. I want to honor her. Mm -hmm. So I, I wash her feet. Then I look out at the audience and I say, which of those two activities would our world tell you is more important? <laughs> and they all say the Emmy Award. They would all say walking down a red carpet with an Emmy Award is more important. And I say, which of those two activities is a mother more likely to do? And they all say washing feet, washing bottoms, washing hands. A woman would be more, a mother would be more likely to be washing feet. <laughs> and I say, okay. And then finally I say, which one did Jesus ask us to do before he left the planet? Yeah. And they point to the foot washing. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the importance of a right. mother's job. Yeah. You are doing what Jesus asked you to do mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. and, and that is the juxtaposition. And, and yet our culture says that, that all of these other things are more important to be a somebody. Having an Emmy Award, having a sexy body that never gave birth, you know, having a nice car, ha having a nice home, all of those, having a six-figure salary. Again, you can have a six-figure six -figure salary and still be a mama. Right. But, but our tells you you're nobody if you don't have those things and and um you're just a mom and by the way we came up with that that term i'm just a mom mm -hmm. what do you think that tells you about how our culture views motherhood yeah um barefoot and pregnant is used as a derogatory term mm -hmm. it's not an honor to be barefoot and pregnant we've allowed this messaging to seep into our culture at large that says oh really not a, a, an impressive thing to be a mother not an honorable thing now, do you think there is, in a sense, a grassroots shift? Because what I'm noticing, I know I'm too old to be on TikTok, but I'm on TikTok. And what I'm noticing is a lot of women who bought into the feminism of, I have to have a career. I have to be the boss, babe. I have to do all this. Now they're at the place they've always wanted to be. And they're going, I don't want to be the boss, babe, anymore. I want to be at home. I want to be with my kid do you do you see maybe a grassroots movement a shift yeah i would say i live in a pretty rural community and definitely i see that in my in, in more rural areas um that that 
kind of women uh, are going back to the basics. They're homeschooling. They're, they're choosing to be stay-at-home moms. And again, I never want to create a division amongst mothers. Mm-hmm. You know, cloth diapers or, or regular diapers. Right. Or, or, or stay-at-home or not stay-at-home. This is not my point, is to create a division. But yes, I see women saying, oh my goodness, I, I, I my children are paramount to me. I, I want to be a mom who takes motherhood seriously. And, and for a while, it, it, I think about 15, 20 years ago, we, we had a an obvious shift where women were choosing to stay home more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did read a survey, and I can't cite it, but where a, a great majority of women, I think it was 80 or 90%, said they would either rather stay home full-time or part-time mm-hmm. because they knew how important it was to be hands-on with raising their kids. Now, we couldn't, well, nobody, you know, would say that we could all do that based on our, you know, our husband's income, our, you know, what our family's needs were. I was able to stay home part of the time, but, but not everybody could do that. But right. yes, I would say that, that, that there are women that, that are wanting to do that more. However, if you look at surveys with, with folks in Gen Z, nearly 30% of them, and I think there was a new survey out recently that showed it even to be a worse number in my estimation, nearly 30% of Gen Zers say they don't think they want to have kids. Mm-hmm. That's a huge number. Right. And, and in addition, our birth rate in America since 2007 has declined by 20%. Yeah. We are deciding to have children less and less. Right. And and so clearly some kind of messaging has gone forward that it is undesirable to have a baby and maybe undesirable to be a mother. Yeah. What are the joys and the benefits of motherhood? If we're hearing from the culture all of the negative, what are the benefits outside of we're raising the next generation? I'm about to tell you, but, but you had, had wanted me to, to, to mention one thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I lament for, the, I know that's all right. I lament for these precious women that do feel like it's a burden, mm-hmm. that do feel like it's just too hard, that do feel like there's no instruction book and they're not doing well, that do feel guilty, that do feel like it's, it's not something they're doing well, that do feel like they're not enough as a mother. I get it. You know, there's a, there's a Facebook page uh, about um, regretting having children and 47,000 people follow it. And I think it's something like, I regret being a mom. Um, I, I regret having kids. And, and more people follow that than mom life, I love my kids. I have compassion for those women. I want to speak into their lives. I think one reason they feel that way is that the culture is not telling them that motherhood is a blessing and that children are a benefit. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would suggest you do have power as a mom. You are significant. You are somebody. Because as a mother, you have more power. You are more of an influencer than anybody on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Because you are influencing the next generation. If every mom threw up her hands and said, I give up, I am not going to train my children, our world would be done. Our yeah. culture would be over. Mm-hmm. The world would cease to exist if, if, if women stopped becoming mothers and if they stopped treating motherhood as, as a serious job. Mm-hmm. Motherhood are ultimate influencers. They, they, they have power to influence our next generation by the way in which they raise their children. So when you wake up every day, Remember, I have the opportunity to teach young human beings about love, about forgiveness, about generosity, about giving, about being kind, about helping others. Those are the most important lessons on the planet. And and women usually, sometimes men, but usually women as mothers are charged with doing that for our next generation. Mm -hmm. The love, the unconditional love. I work with women in prison, and I work with women who are single. And by the way, very few of them. Everyone talk about children being a burden, ironically. Mm. And that's a culture at large that says, 
you know, we, we don't want more, you know, babies for moms in prison. We don't want more mo- single moms giving birth to children. And those women do not see their job as a burden, ironically. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I speak to, to those women about the lessons that they pass on and the unconditional love they receive from their children. There are moms in prison. There are moms who are living a very difficult single mom life and working three jobs a day. And yet their children still love them unconditionally. Mm-hmm. You get the most unconditional love from those two-year-olds. No matter what their mom you are. Yeah. There's a lot of unconditional love. Mm-hmm. So there's that great benefit. Um, there is, I could list the blessings and the beauties day in and day out. Just just playing dress-up. Just playing, pitching a baseball to, to a five-year-old daughter. I mean, those things are pure joy. And, and, and they, they, they bring us back to what matters. They're fun. There's laughter in motherhood like like nowhere else you don't get laughter in a corporate board meeting the way you do when you play dress up with your daughter right um so so there are unlimited blessings to being Mm -hmm. a mother yeah yeah what would you say to that woman right now who is wanting to be a mom like she's wanting to push back against the media and everything but maybe she god hasn't sent her that husband yet or she is struggling with that infertility what does she do in the meantime she wants to have that joy but she can't I know, and and my, I, I, I've been through infertility. I've sat in a chair um, as I was having a miscarriage. Uh, I I know that agony of like, what if I, I want a baby so badly? Why wouldn't God give me one? Yeah. And 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 so I, I or why would God allow me to miscarry? He loves life. Why would He not let me have this life? He later gave me my Georgia Grace, and and I might not have ever known my Georgia Grace, and I believe my other baby's in heaven. Mama, I would say something from my book. I, I wrote a book called Mom, You're Amazing, Changing the World One Life at a Time. And in that book, I have a mom. Her name is Yvonne Pointer. She lost her daughter to rape and murder. 29 years later, met the man who murdered her, her daughter. She was, uh, she is still alive, strong believer in Jesus. Mm-hmm. She, by the grace of God, forgave that man and would regularly go to the prison to pray with him. Wow. The man that raped and murdered her baby. Mm-hmm. And she chose to share that love of God. In the intervening years before she met this guy, she had a burden on her heart to find him. So she would go into prisons. She would go to midnight basketball. She would go to all kinds of places to find the potential rapist and killer of her daughter. In the process, she ended up, uh, ended up becoming what she called essentially a step-in mom to many, 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 many thousands of other people. Mm-hmm. She became a step-in mom for those hurting, violent prisoners who had mothers who did not love them well and fathers who abused them. Mm-hmm. And, and she loved them like they'd never been loved. And I would argue one reason they were violent was because of the wrong ways they were parented. Mm-hmm. Um, she stepped in at midnight basketball games to love on boys that nobody was loving so they would not become rapists and murderers. Yeah. She stepped in in her na- neighborhood. She stepped in orphanage in Africa. She brought schooling to, to an African village. She, she did all kinds of things as a mom who did not have biological, well, she did have biological children, but she was othering people who were not her biological children. Mm-hmm. And, and she figured out how to become a step-in mom. And I repeat that message throughout my book that there are all kinds of women who can be step-in moms until God gives them an adopted, foster, or biological child. Mm-hmm. And and you can be a step in mama. It's just as valuable as a role right. as you mother people who you did not give birth to. Right. Because God, we are suffering in America with with children and with with grown adults who 
not been mothered properly. Go and find those people and mother them well. Yes. You will change the world by doing so. Yes. So, so that is what I would say. If a burden is on your heart, I get it. I'm so sorry. I've been there. It is hard. But, but Yvonne Pointer would say, turn your pain into a purpose. Right. And mother somebody. You can still be a mama. You can yeah. still be a mama. You can. God will bring you children to mother. And you look at scripture, and I, I often think of Deborah, and Deborah said, I'm the mother to all of Israel. Now, whether she was a physical mama or not, but she was a spiritual mother. She was that mother right. voice to Israel. And, you know, you look at Eve and you look at Sarah, and there's a lot of women in scripture that were called mothers to people that weren't their biological children. And I think that all of us as women need to take that at heart, that we're all called to be moms, whether it is physical or spiritual. The book is called Mom, You Are Amazing, Changing the World One Life at a Time. And I will make sure that that is in the show notes so people can get a hold of that. But I do want to ask you one more question before we depart. What would you say to companies and churches right now that are saying, we just want to opt out of Mother's Day? We don't even want to acknowledge it. First of all, let me say thank you, Rachel. This has been a terrific interview. You're very good at what you do. So thanks for having me on and asking these important questions. Again, I don't want to add to the cacophony right now in our culture that is hatred and division and, 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 and you know, left side and right side of the aisle. Yeah. You know, we all have opinions, and I've got very strong ones, but I choose to love instead of hate. And so I want to deliver this message with grace. Mm-hmm. What I would say is I think that we have a problem right now as we take stances and as we say, you know, we should do this about transgender people and we should, we should do this with Mother's Day and we, we should do that with, with being green. And whatever the messaging is, is that we go from A to B and we do not look from A to Z. Mm. And so I would say to the company or the church, okay, that sounds nice to say to a precious woman who is sad about the loss of her mother or sad that she's struggling with infertility, that we're going to honor her. We're going to say, you know, we, you can opt out of Mother's Day because it's too hurtful for you. I get that. That's A to B, and, and that makes some sense. But be careful about your messaging that goes from A to Z. Mm-hmm. Because if you begin to say Mother's Day needs to be opted out of, it is a, it is a bad holiday in a lot of ways. We begin to say motherhood does not need to be honored. Mm-hmm. And it, it, is worth to, it is worth it to say the hurt that, that some women have suffered is more important than the, the beauty of what some women are doing as mothers. Yeah. And, and so consider the A to Z message. Every single day, our culture is choosing more and more to say that motherhood is, is not a good thing. It's a hurtful thing. It's a burdensome thing. It's a dishonoring thing. It makes you a nobody. Instead, we're choosing that message over mother is a beautiful thing, a beautiful role. It, it, it adds to our culture. We are choosing a negative message about mothering instead of a positive one. And we are choosing to say Mother's Day is negative instead of positive. Well, gosh, Jenny, Jenny Dean, thank you so much for all of that. It's a, a wealth of knowledge. I encourage you to get her book, Mom, You're Amazing, Changing the World One Life at a Time. I also, uh, I'm going to put all of uh, your socials in the show notes so you can get a follow. She's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can also check out her podcast, channelmom.podbean.com. I think it's so important, as especially when you're a young mom, to be listening to a podcast like yours because everybody has a different opinion on what stage of motherhood is the hardest. 
But I think when you're in the throes of it, when they're really little, you need that encouragement that you're going to make it out. You're going to, you're going to survive this, you know? And the the guests that you have had on your show, I, I just think have such a wealth of knowledge and are so beautiful. And I really appreciate what you're doing, bringing that podcast forth. And you are somebody. And, and I thank you for using your gifts and talents to be able to help moms around our culture. So Jenny Dean, thank you so much for being here today. My honor will be had just that the book's available on Amazon and that I'm at Channel Mom, all one word, everywhere. Because I would love to talk to your precious moms and, and to women who are struggling at, with not being moms. Yeah. I would love to honor them, cheer them on, bless them however I can. So thank you so much for letting me be on your show. It's an honor. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Unique on a Purpose podcast. Make sure you check out Jenny Dean's book, Mom, You Are Amazing, in the show notes. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on a purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you right back here 